Okay, so my girlfriend is like a, um, she's like a militant vegan type girl. And we talked about it on the last episode because she called in and she wanted a Burger King Impossible Whopper. But um, she's currently intoxicated and she's texting me. She's vegan, she's vegan drunk texting me. <laughs> and she says, uh, yes, bitch, we out here recycling, saving the planet, reduce your meat, reuse, recycle everything recyclable. All in capitals. And then it just dies off after that. That was 15 minutes ago. There was no solution to that at all. Are you good? I love that she becomes even more of an advocate for the planet when she's intoxicated. <laughs> she's like a version of the... She's like a, a Earth multi-version... A multiverse version of Captain Planet. Do you remember Captain Planet? I don't. He, he was like the guy when... There was like kids in this like animated tv show and they'd go to like a volcano and they'd be like littering and he'd be like don't fucking litter but it was kind of like that i mean (laughs) well what you're gonna learn about me today is i know nothing about superheroes um so i'm not surprised i know nothing of captain planet captain planet is not a superhero no he never saved anything i don't think he ever helped anyone (laughs) He just we have we're suffering from global warming because of Captain Planet's like uh, inability to to save anything. Captain Planet would like pop off, and he'd be like, "Remember, kids, uh, don't flick your cigarettes on the ground because it was like the seventies. Why are kids smoked. smoking? Oh, the seventies. Like, don't do okay. that. You're killing Damn. the planet. And my girlfriend <laughs> would see that, and she'd be like, "That's not what's killing the planet. It's the fucking cows." Because, you know, vegans, like, scream about cows. Right. So I can't even watch I Captain I scream about Planet cows all this. the time, and I'm not vegan. I can't even watch Captain Planet. Like, ask all my show. friends. I'm always screaming about cows and pigs. Do you eat cows and pigs? I don't. You don't? I didn't no. know that. Are you vegan? Yeah. No. No? You're vegetarian? Um, I guess technically pescatarian. I still eat fish. And I will eat, like, eggs and dairy occasionally. All of those, like, I eat, like, fish, eggs, and dairy very, very occasionally. Like, not regularly in the slightest. Mainly vegetables. I thought you you were legitimately going to be like, um, I don't identify as a dietary person. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's okay. You don't have to identify. I've attempted being vegan um, a few times. Me too. So... I gained like I'm 50 sure pounds. One day I'll get there, I'm sure. But look at you. The I have like two female people in my life, and both of them want to save the planet by their dietary <laughs> standards. Yeah, no, honestly, so I'm you guys. <laughs> I'm really ugh, factory farming man. Not great. I, I get real fiery factory about that. Farming. We should have Marissa I back just on just so we can like cry about that together. <laughs> So I had her on the third episode of this show, maybe the second, I don't know, but we sat there and I talked to her about veganism for an hour and a half. And now you want me to sit with two people who are trying to save the planet the same way. Mm -hmm. And I eat meat. I just got done. I just got back from the gym. I just got done eating eight ounces of turkey burger. 
you want me to sit here and, and deal with that? That's crazy talk. I'm not doing that. That's suicide. You get her on a you get her on a microphone and tell her to talk about veganism. We'll be here for hours. We'll never get out. We're stuck forever. I but mean, anyway, yeah. I just uh I just got back from the gym. I'm feeling like a superhero. And that's good because today we're talking about superheroes. We are. We're talking about probably I would consider Spider-Man probably the most popular superhero on the planet maybe. I'd say Spider-Man and Batman. Like I feel like you're either a Spider-Man or a Batman person. I'd vote Batman. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm a Batman. Before we get into that, before we get into that, welcome to Similarly Different, four minutes and five minutes into the fucking podcast, uh, a podcast where my friend Dylan and I talk about things and we see if we compare similarly or differently. The definition of similarly different changes every time I talk <laughs> about it. Um, <laughs> If you listened to last week's episode, that was our first episode together, uh, we talked about determining self-worth and self-value and all that fun stuff. If you did listen to it, if you could go back and just hit the little five-star thing, or maybe four-star, I think I said in the last episode that I would even take a three-star. You did. Yeah. I'll even take a three-star. If you listened to it for three seconds, or you went through the whole hour or whatever, please go ahead and do that. Uh, That goes a long way for us in the long term but uh let's transition a little bit to today today we're going to be talking about the film uh into the spider-verse that came out last year um dylan has seen it 805 times (laughs) i watched it for the first time this week in preparation for this podcast um every month we're going to do one podcast that's themed um about anything this obviously this week is this film next month it will be something else or maybe another film who knows we haven't decided yet but uh we're going to be talking about again into the spider-verse a movie that came in came out in 2018 to like absolute critical acclaim it won if i remember correctly an academy award and a golden globe award yeah man um but also won like 33 other awards and was nominated for 54 total so that's crazy it employed the largest animation crew ever uh, by Sony Pictures Animation and earned more money than me and the four generations after me and my family will ever see (laughs) in our lifetime. (laughs) Um, I thought it was a good movie. I did. I think one of the vital flaws that Spider-Man movies makes is it just wants to rehash Peter Parker it wants to rehash their origin story. And I think we've seen Peter Parker's origin story in Spider-Man movies three times now at, in this point. So yeah. I think we all get it. And they kind of, it was just like the entire movie. They were super meta about it. Cause they were like, Oh, you already heard Peter Parker's origin story. I chuckled at that the first time they did it like eight times. But, um, I thought it, my, my immediate general impression of it was it was cute. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, it was cute. It was different from oh, what you... we see in Spider-Man. You pain yeah, me. It was um, cute. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to. I, I'm gonna let Dylan take over since she's loves this movie, and I'm just gonna be the passenger here. But I did just want to give her and everybody my initial reactions to it. Is that it was a cute movie. I mean, it was it was interesting. 
Um, I get why it won 35 awards. I get why it's critically acclaimed. I'm not necessarily sure it's like some groundbreaking film like it was, uh, you know, painted to be. But I'll let you I'll let you take <laughs> over. Also, um, I think one fatal flaw was that there was no Tobey Maguire. Where yeah. the fuck is Tobey Maguire? No reference Where the fuck or mention. Is Tobey Maguire? <laughs> Nothing. I got John Mulaney and Nicolas Cage, but I don't get fucking Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Come on. Missed opportunity for sure. But that was like, I I have that in my little, I, I did a little bit of research, not research, but I took a little bit of notes. That's in like full capital. Where the fuck <laughs> Where is, is Tony, he? To, Toby, Tony, Toby Maguire. Where Tony is he? Maguire. Um, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> fucking Tony. I, I'd rather, I'll take his evil twin, Tony. Just give me a fucking Maguire in this movie. Lizzie McGuire, even just give me a fucking McGuire. Any McGuire will do. <laughs> I'm not picky. I, I want Hillary Duff. Yeah. <laughs> you give me Haley Steinfeld. I want Hillary Duff. Um. So I guess uh, this should be said. If you haven't seen this movie yet, um, we're going to be spoiling it. So if spoilers don't bother you, then you know keep on listening. I personally love spoilers. I spoil things for myself all the time. But if you are bothered by spoilers, go watch the movie first and come back and hang out with us. But, um, yeah, I also, also it came out a year and a half ago. Did it? It came out a year and a half ago. Well, it's or, on it Netflix out, like, right now. It came out, I think. Yeah. So if you're going to, can't get it out. If you're going <laughs> to complain about spoilers a year later, shut your fucking mouth. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's your fault for not seeing it sooner. Watch the fucking movie. I've tweeted about this movie since I saw it. Everybody that follows me on Twitter knows how I feel about this movie. So, but I'm just going to kind of rehash that more in detail here. Um, But yeah, also, I've kind of mentioned this, but it is on Netflix. So if you were on the fence about getting Netflix, you should do it just for this movie. Just get your free trial. Watch this movie every day for 30 days. And then I don't care what you do. You can cancel it. You can continue. But please go take advantage of this being on Netflix while it is. So anyway, um, let's let's jump in. So as you touched on, um, this is from Sony Pictures Animation. Um, that studio also brought us Monster House, Hotel Transylvania, Smurfs, um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and the Emoji Movie. So that's pretty wild that the same studio that did the Emoji Movie came out with this movie because they're both they're 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 pretty different <laughs> in terms of. Was the was the emoji was the emoji movie good? No, <laughs> I didn't see it, but it was it was pulled from theaters because of how not great it was. So R.I.P. But <laughs> um, but as a, as a culture, just just naturally as a culture, we love emojis. Yeah. We love what they do, and we we freak out every time Apple adds them. So I like, mean, I'm not surprised, quite honestly. It's more surprising that, like, that the same studio can produce such, like, you know, tonally different, not even tonally different, but just, I don't know, to have, like, kind of, like, what would be considered more of a failure as the Emoji Movie versus how big this movie blew up. Um, Also, I kind of mentioned, I 
don't give a fuck about superheroes. <laughs> like I have seen like maybe four movies from um, Marvel and like it was like Captain America, uh, the Avengers, Iron Man 3 and Black Panther. And that was it. That's all I've seen. <laughs> and maybe down the line we can review them all in order or something. I don't know if that'd be entertaining, but I, <laughs> I have no immediate plans to watch them. <laughs> and, and that and that being said that being said i i grew up a super giant superhero fan i uh used to get i used to get comic books sent to my grandma's house so that they would be there uh when i got home i know my favorite superhero is batman i've seen all the avengers movies i'm not like a giant fanboy but um and where you lack in superman knowledge or Superman. We're not talking about Superman or the Emoji Movie. What you <laughs> lack in Spider-Man knowledge, I I probably make up for. So, um, yeah. Onward. Literally, this movie turned like I kind of care now. Like I definitely, I did not think twice about Spider-Man um, when I had at the time that I had seen this movie. I had never seen a, another Spider-Man movie. Like I had avoided all of them. Like not on purpose. Just it worked out that way that I hadn't seen any of them. Um, but this movie really changed my mind, and now I'm, like, rooting for Spider-Man over here. Um, but also, as you touched on, um, it did win an Academy Award for Best Feature, or Best Animated Feature. Um, it also won, I believe, an Annie Award and a Golden Globe. Um, it was kind of a big deal because it was the first non-Disney and non-Pixar movie to ever win an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Um, only six, well, this is the sixth, but other than this movie, only five other um, movies have won that weren't Pixar or Disney since the category like it has existed back in 2001. So I did write down those movies. Um, so in 2001, the first year of that category existing, Shrek won for Best Animated Feature. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then in 2012, Spirited Away won, which is a fantastic film. I'm not surprised. And then in 2005, it was Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. I definitely didn't see that one. Must have been a, must have been a rough <laughs> year for animation. Right, Yeah. I, I forgot I to look at what it was competing against, but oof. Um, I love me some stop motion, but I have not seen that movie. Um, and then in 2006, it was Happy Feet. Um, I really don't like Happy Feet, but it won. <laughs> I saw that way more what? times than... I don't like it, dude. It's it's all over the place. Like, I don't know. It's about a fucking adorable like penguin, dude. It was talking about dancing, and it was talking about, like, mating, and then it was talking about, like, the environment, <laughs> but, like, it did it. It was very scattered. <laughs> Does not know what it's you doing. You gotta dance before you um, mate. And then in 2011... Every college kid knows. <laughs> it was so just... So weirdly sexual for a movie about penguins. I don't know. Like, the fucking female penguins have, like, cleavage. <laughs> like, I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> it's like... Penguins fuck. I mean, come on. I guess they fuck, yeah. Penguins um, fuck. And then in 2011, that Johnny Depp um, lizard movie Rango <laughs> won Best Animated Feature, um, which I also did not see. So no words on that. So this is, since 2011, this is the first 
non-Disney, non-Pixar film to win. And I love that. Very happy. Um, so you you mentioned that um, it had like a very large animation team. At one point, it had 177 animators on there. And um, which is crazy. Um, and then it took like a, just a year to like create like 10 seconds of animation that they were even happy with, like in the style that they were going for. Like, can you imagine like, like that's wild. Like, I don't know. I'm a nerd for that kind of stuff. <laughs> but anyway, the, the animation, the animation that is in the movie for people that haven't seen this film, the animation is a mix between what you would typically see in a classic comic book and a current modern version of animation. So they put little, little like in the background of, of the scenes, they put little dots and little specks uh, because that's how comic books used to be printed back in the day. It, the way the, the paper... Yeah, like the like halftones. Yeah, stuff. it's quite... It takes, it takes a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It takes like 15 minutes to get used to. I kept getting distracted by those little dots in the back because it felt like in some places they didn't necessarily need them. Um, but I get it to be consistent. But there were parts where that didn't have the little comic book structure. So once you once you get, get ah well once you can get past that, uh, it's all good. But it takes like 15 minutes because it's just a it's just a version of animation that we've never seen before. Um, yeah, it's never been done before, which is why it's considered like groundbreaking. Like it, it's totally innovative in how it uses the medium. Like you know, like because right now it's super trendy um, for animation to have that live action look, like in the like quote unquote live action Lion King that's actually just animated. Um, like they're really going for photorealistic when it's like that's cool, and I'm sure very challenging. I know very challenging, but. I don't know. I would rather see stuff like this where it's like you really used like the medium to its, you know, full potential and you made something so like classic and I would say timeless. Like there's nothing else like this. And I it's the first movie that I'm like actually really wanting to see more of and like a sequel like for like, I don't know. I'd love to see what else they can do with Miles Morales. (laughs) So and it's also the first Spider-Man movie to like actually introduce him into the universe. So that's pretty sweet. I'm pretty sure that Spider-Man Homecoming for, I don't think you've seen it, but I um, haven't. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's a character in this movie named Aaron Davis, who's also a villain named the Prowler. Um, I'm pretty sure Aaron Davis is played by Childish Gambino or yeah, Donald, yeah, Donald Glover right. in um, Spider-Man Homecoming. So there's, there's a, there's a kind of a census that he exists somewhere in there. Um, just because Childish Gambino is rapping his ass down the street in that one little scene, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'll see. I think we'll be seeing a lot more of Old Boy Miles. Um, I'm, at the end of the film, I think they they really teased a sequel. He's laying mm-hmm. in bed. Spoiler: He's laying in bed, and Gwen <laughs> Stacy from another universe is like, "Miles, help!" And then she didn't the say help. She said, so, "Are you up?" Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> She's hey, in trouble. you up? <laughs> She she sent she sent that you up portal. Yeah, yeah. When she hits you with that you up DM, yeah. He was he was like, damn, bro, and he was about to jump through that portal faster <laughs> than he's ever jumped through anything. Yeah. But yeah, I digress. 
but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what your views on animation are. Um, but I, I'm over here, your friendly animation nerd, and I really want to like break that stigma that animation is like a childish medium. You know, like I feel like a lot of people see like previews for an animated film and they're like, whatever, like who cares? Um, I really want to break that and challenge that like my absolute dream is to become like a showrunner writer of my own tv show like an animated show for adults um so it just kind of really makes me sad to hear when people like belittle animation like i don't know like it's less than or something but because it's just like we've we've gotten so many great stories like told in animation because you know there wasn't like, that's how they needed to be told, you know, like, it just wouldn't have been the same in live action. So which is kind of why I'm not really feeling all these Disney remakes, because it's like, you're kind of taking away the magic, like, in, I don't know. And truly, the problem, I think, with these, there are some that you can totally do, uh, like Dumbo. I didn't see it. I don't even know if it's I would, out. Yet, I was out. But... <laughs> it's been out. <laughs> oh, okay, well, whatever. That that looked cool. I mean, the advertisements and stuff, that, that looks cool in the way that they did it. Um, there's human beings in that movie, and obviously Dumbo and all the other animals are animated. But when you go to see Lion King, and a lion is fucking talking to you, you're like, what the f-? When Pumbaa comes up and my man's a singing Hakuna Matata, it's kind of, I don't, I don't know, it. I feel like there's a better way to go about some things. Trying to make like Toy Story look as clean and polished as possible um, kind of makes sense, but also it's weird because like of what we're used to when we think of Toy Story. At least people our age in the twenty, the upper twenties or whatever, middle twenties, think of Toy Story and think of at least I do in animation terms. Like, I mean, the first Toy Story is sloppy. Yeah, it it's, looks it's pretty sloppy, wild. Just it's, it's a I, I new love medium. Crackhead Andy, like when like boys looking rough, yeah. <laughs> and he looks completely different in the new newer Toy Stories. I know. Did you see the new Toy Story? No. Oh, it's great! It's so good. I don't know if it's still in theaters, but honestly, you need to. Toy Story died for me when they almost put them all in a furnace in Toy Story three. Yeah. Spoilers for Toy Story 3. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen Toy Story 3, but, it came out 10 years ago. Fucking fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, my, my, my love for Toy Story died when they made me cry in the theater. And I said I would never see another one in theaters or ever again because for me, that was the end. They shouldn't have kept going. They also shouldn't have turned lions into animated characters. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I... Um... I I would have said the same thing about Toy Story, but like I went into the fourth movie with like zero expectations. I'm like, is this a joke? Like, why why did this need to be made? I didn't watch. Well, not to lie, I did watch a few trailers, but I don't know. I I saw it and I didn't cry, but it really did. Like, like I don't know. I I thought it was pretty good. Like, I was not expecting them to take it where they did, but it's worth seeing. In terms of like. Something that this movie, when I say this movie, I mean Into the Spider-Verse, did re- <laughs> did really well for me is the emotional aspect. The pathos yes. of the storyline is something that I look forward to in movies. Granted, my favorite film of all time is Top Gun. There's no pathos in that shit at all. But uh, this movie did fantastic <laughs> when, uh, spoiler, 
we already said spoiler, so I'm going to stop saying that. But spoiler, when Peter Parker dies at the beginning and they are trying to find a way to, and this, I'm talking about story creators, they're trying to find a way to let everybody know that Peter Parker is dead without a main character saying it. They have a news re- reporter say it. They have a, a like a, a news anchor at a desk announce Peter Parker's death and you never see her. You only ever see her voice or see her voice. You only ever hear her voice and her, just her voice (laughs) does such an incredible job of portraying how heartbroken New York city is that Spider-Man is dead. They emphasize the fact that he was only 26 years old. He was a graduate student. Yeah. Shout out to our 26 representation because I feel like it's a pretty awkward number. Like, you never hear that people are 26. Right. But I at the same time, funny. at the same time, they probably know what their demographic is. And the demographic is most yeah. likely 18 through 35. And a lot of us are 26. We're right there in that age. Um, but just the way that they had that part writ- written for the news anchor, uh, somebody who you never even see, you never hear from again in the movie, legitimately makes you feel sad about the fact that an animated character is dead. And that's not the first time they'll do that in this movie. That's incredible to me. That that feat within the first 20 minutes of the movie, they do that. That's what brought me in. It wasn't the animation. It wasn't Post Malone. It wasn't anything else. It was they were they, they, t- they successfully tugged at my heartstrings. And I knew that that wouldn't be the first time just based on how quickly they did that. Yeah. So um, rest in peace, Peter Parker. Um We'll never know another like him. <laughs> he was a special man. Um, yeah, I. it's very well written. Um, and, and something about this movie is that it doesn't just um, cover Miles and Peter Parker. It spans like all these other different spider people. Um, I, I forget how there's like, I think five of them, six of them, six. Gwen. It's between five and yeah, six. There's a lot. Um, and they yeah. are able to like handle all of them in a way that doesn't feel heavy handed. Um, you know, like I wouldn't say that all of them get like, you know, a good equal amount of screen time, but it's like they're able to establish who these characters are like right from the get go. And I don't know, they just feel very well like integrated into the story. They don't feel like a second thought and they all have their own different style, like as far as like what art style they're actually in which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, they don't do this. They don't do this thing that you see in other kind of like animated cartoons where if so, you know, Ash, say Ash Ketchum from Pokemon jumps through a portal and goes to a different like the Kyoto region <laughs> or whatever. I don't know if he's in it or not. I'm not a big Pokemon guy. And we'll say that, that this version of Pokemon <laughs> It might be. I don't know. Who knows? We'll say that this this other Pokemon is like 15 years after when Ash Ketchum is a Pokemon trainer. This like the TV show would change Ash's animation. They wouldn't keep him as 2D as he is. He would transform into their world version. Whereas in Into the Spider-Verse, these other Spider-Men and Spider-Women come into the new universe that they're fighting for with the same animation as they would have in their own world. Uh, I, I don't know why I listen. I love John Mulaney with everything. He's my favorite. He's my favorite overall comedian. Me too. He had no point being in this. No, movie. you feel that way. 
the they there are so many other valuable versions of Spider-Man out there that they did not need to include Peter Porker into and that's a, a pig. pig. It's a pig. It's a it's a Spider-Man pig voiced by John Mulaney. They they didn't need to bring him in there for comedic relief. Yeah, honestly, the movie was funny enough. Like I I don't think that they brought him in to depend on that. I think that John Mulaney just had like a certain characteristic to his voice that like seemed more cartoony than everyone else. Yeah, and in terms of like John Mulaney voices Peter Porker perfectly. That's how exactly you'd think you'd want a pig that is Spider-Man to sound. Just like you would definitely want <laughs> Nicolas Cage to sound like Very Spider-Man ominous. noir from yeah. World War II. It's perfect, but it but it's not needed. You could have probably had a, a much a better a, a much better Spider-Man in there uh, like Tobey Maguire. But <laughs> Just, it, yeah, in terms of <laughs> in terms of the comedic relief, uh, Pete, Peter Parker, which he's not dead. I mean, he's dead, but a different Peter B. universe. Parker. Peter Parker comes in. Peter, Peter B. Parker, Parker comes in. Yep, big old Peter Taco Parker. He likes to eat a lot of pizza he's voiced by jake johnson which is perfect voice casting he i don't know where he's been i mean i know where he's been he's been one of the main characters on new girl for the last 10 years but he did such an incredible job voicing peter parker yeah that i'm wondering why none of his management has ever gotten him into voice acting before this yeah no he was incredible this man He's actually one of my favorite comedic actors just off the work that he did in New Girl, but he's mm-hmm. always casted as the same thing. He's always the co- comedic relief bartender. He's on a new show with Colby Small Colby Saunders. The girl from How, uh, How, I, How met I Met Your, your mother. mother. Yeah, Robin from How I Met Isn't Your Mother. Smothers? I don't know. She, I don't know. Colby something. Robin is on the show with, with, <laughs> with Peter B. Parker. Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> and he is a main character on the new show that he's in. And again, he's a comic relief bartender. And it was just, for me at least, for being a fan of him, it was fantastic to see him in something other than... Kind uh, of be like the hero. It instead. was fantastic. I loved every part about it. His speech... I think he was still the same, though, you know? Like, he's still very much a lazy, like... Absolutely. You know, like, lazy heart of gold, like... But, yeah, no, he definitely... Um, had more heroic moments. and The speech at the end that he gives Miles Morales about taking yeah. the leap of faith, I never would have ever thought that that would pull on a heartstring or pull on a pathos from someone like Jake Johnson. And it was just, for me, it was amazing to see and, and, and hear because, like I said, I'm a big fan. You never get to see that. So it's fantastic. Yes. Um, I did want to touch on... Um, Spider Gwen, Gwen Stacy, she's so cute. She has a gap in her teeth, which I also have a gap in my teeth. I love me some gapspiration, some gap presentation, like all of it. I know it, it is my favorite thing when fucking celebrities who have gaps don't get their gap fixed. Like, you know, thank you for me and all the other little gap tooth bitches out there. Like, <laughs> like I'm looking at you, like Demi Lovato and Zach Efron who got your gaps fixed. I won't forget. <laughs> <laughs> calling them out you also you probably shouldn't be calling out um oh dude what's who, who was no. he in the last movie he was in huh? Dahmer do not call do not call off call out Jeffrey Dahmer Zach Efron 
I mean, Zach, I love you. I just wish you were gap toothed again. He said that he had to go to therapy after filming that I Jeffrey Dahmer it, movie dude. because. I'm not trying to call out Zac Efron. I'm not trying to get killed. Well, then again, I'm not a, I'm not a hot college girl, so I think I'm good. I'm good. Dude, I read about Dahmer. Or not Dahmer. Wait, was it Dahmer? Who the fuck did he play? It wasn't Dahmer. I believe it Ted was Bundy. Dahmer, wasn't it? No. Yep, you're right. Ted Bundy. That's yeah. Right. Listen, um, this is not a professional movie podcast, okay? <laughs> not a math podcast. Not a movie podcast. I can make mistakes. It's allowed. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I read about Ted Bundy, like, when that movie, like, first came out, and I was, like, seriously disturbed. Like, ugh. I don't... Like, apparently, like, his face, like, nobody really knows what he looks like because his face will just, like, change. Like, I don't even... Ooh, Zach, I love you. I'm so sorry, but I I just prefer you all gap That's all. (laughs) Ted Bundy had this incredible feature to his life where he could physically change yeah he could like he could morph into anything else and that's pretty much in the world with no social media that's how he got away with his stuff and Zac Efron I mean this dude was in high school musical and he's been the butt of the joke in movies like neighbors and stuff like that and he just like Jake Johnson he got to do a serious thing and I mean in that movie I think he kills it I actually didn't watch it it's a it's a shitty movie it's terrible, but he does really, really good. I'm very proud of Zac Efron. I'm sorry that you are slighted by his um, gap tooth fixing, <laughs> but got to give the man credit. No, where absolutely, it's due. he's a great performer. They, doubt, they doubted him. Um, I often forget that he can dance. It, like in The Greatest Showman, like he was great. Anyway, now that we've been completely derailed, <laughs> <laughs> love me some Zac Efron. Efron. Um. But yeah, also a little fun fact about this movie that has nothing really to do with this movie. I back in my Tinder days, um, I was very vocal about this. Like I had it in my Tinder bio, just like it's very important to me that you see into the Spider-Verse. And people would talk to me about it and they were like, oh, will you not date me unless I've seen this movie? And I would just be like, no. And so I <laughs> like kind of convinced to this guy to... Um, well, I unknowingly convinced this guy to buy this movie that I had never met before. Like, he was just like, so I bought it. And it's like, wow, I got the power, man. That's the power of Pine Salt. Um, yeah. Most girls, most girls put uh, in her Tinder bio that you have to be above six feet. I just want you to watch Into the Spider-Verse. That's it. <laughs> just fucking watch Into the Spider-Verse and you're in. You could be 5'4". Yeah, Dylan no, doesn't care. I, I I don't care about your height. Just please watch into the Spider Verse. We good. So one thing that was cool one one thing that was cool that I really liked was that um actually I didn't really like it. <laughs> I because it was so irrealistic I liked, was that well, actually I didn't really. <laughs> Miles Morales in this movie had a mint condition. The Amazing Spider Man number one. That shit is valued at like $4 million. There's no fucking way this kid in New York City has it. That's all I have to say about that. And also, you expect me to believe that he was seriously listening to Post Malone? Get the fuck out of here. There's no way this kid was listening to Post Malone. No one listens to Post Malone. Oh my goodness. And rant. Wow. What you got against Post? 
I'm just saying that, okay, let's, I mean, let's be frank right. here. Miles Morales is a teenaged African-American child. 13, 14, well, middle I mean, whatever, school. regardless. He lives, he lives in, he lives in New York City. Mm-hmm. He's a middle school Af- African-American kid. He's not fucking listening to Post Malone. Post Malone is for like 27, 28 year old white dudes who cheated on their girlfriend and she found out and they broke up and now they're sad about it. Like that's who Post Malone is for, not 13 year old Miles Go Morales. Wow. Little a little realism would be nice here. Also <laughs> Just kidding. There's no also, but come on. Give me more realism in this superhero comic book movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I um I was pretty unbothered by Post Malone. Um I the song sounds nice. It's fun to listen to. It's nice. I don't know. The the actual message of the song is kind of booty though, but it's fine. Um I got nothing against Post. I, I really like the soundtrack of this movie. Um there were just so many good little details in this movie as far as like like if Miles was to like punch something, like a punching bag, like little lines would come out like where he hit like you know it was just the whole thing was very alive and um they used they made like great use of like onomatopoeias and stuff like to also bring in like um like that comic book feel like once miles is bitten by the spider like he's kind of starts thinking in like um text panels um so like kind of like in a comic book like you know like they started popping up on the screen like his thoughts or you know dialogue yeah in every spider-man movie that came out all the way back from my man toby mcguire's <laughs> after after the peter parker or the, or the spider-man gets bit by the spider you hear the thoughts going on inside their head that's how they portray the spidey sense or whatever but this film did a fantastic job i think of staying true to a comic book feel, mm-hmm. like you said, his thoughts, and even sometimes when he would like yell, like actions, like things around him, like yeah, it would pop up on the screen in little text box, and I that was fantastic for a classic for a classic comic book owner like me. Mm-hmm. Um, those little those little touches are really really nice. That's those are things that can pull someone into a movie if they're having trouble getting pulled into it. Yeah, um, something else that was really fun is that. When Miles, like, from the time that he's bitten, he's, like, really struggling to, like, come into his own and, like, you know, feel confident with his, like, spidey powers. Um, And they actually showed that really well in the animation itself. So, like, um, like, in some instances, like, he was animated on, like, twos so that means like every other frame so he looks clunkier compared to peter b who's like been spider-man for a minute so like he was animated on ones he's a lot smoother um just different frame rates really can help say a lot about their characters and that's kind of unusual like they don't really do that in movies usually you know things they're more cohesive than that but like you know it wasn't like out of place like there was like a total purpose to it that was really cool um I agree with that. And you could kind of, I mean, I'm not an animator and I'm assuming that a majority of people that will listen to this aren't animators and don't really know anything about animation, but you can kind of like what I referenced earlier about the comic book feel, the animation taking a little bit of time to get used to after miles gets bit by the spider, he does get clunkier. They are trying to portray 
the fact that he's struggling. Yeah. And that can also take a little bit of time to get used to because it's uh, it's pretty much the whole movie that's like that. Yeah. I do enjoy the fact that they took the entire film to get Miles to where he was comfortable yes. being Spider-Man. It's, it felt so well earned. One thing, one thing that has always irritated me about superhero movies is that they seem to master their powers literally out of nowhere. And I think that's why I have no interest in them, honestly, yeah. because of that. They made the the creators of this film made a giant deal over him not being good enough. They made uh, we talked about it in the last podcast episode. Every single one of us has had a moment in their lives or have time in their lives where you don't feel good enough. When Peter Parker is tying up Miles Morales in the in the dorm room and he's saying, "Listen, it's just not your time. You're not good enough to do this." You feel it. They 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 hit you right in the pathos. They hit you right in the heart again, and that's fantastic because we've all been there. The problem I have is that they made the same mistake that every comic book movie makes. They just did it at the opposite side of the film. They tie him up. They say, "I'm we're going to go to the thing. We're going to I forgot what it's called, but we're going to go destroy the collider. The collider. We're going to go destroy the collider." Literally twenty minutes later, Miles Morales. Twenty minutes later in the movie, not our time but in the movie from the time that he gets untied from the chair and gets to the collider he's a master at all of his skills that shit bothers me because it, he still should be having trouble you don't just master anything in 20 minutes even though i mean we got this awesome monologue from jake johnson and which should have been enough to give him the master of the skills anyway but you don't just jump out a window and know how to be spider-man especially as a 13-year-old kid. So that really irritated me. I thought they were really going to go away from that, but they just really flipped it. They just they just put it at the end. I, d- I wasn't really... I thought it was, like, pretty well-earned. And, like, I don't know. Like, after he, he... Like, his dad comes to see him to, like, be like, you know, like, your uncle died and I love you and all this stuff. And um, I think that's kind of what did it for him was to, like... I don't know. Like he kind of has a strained relationship with his father, and I think that that I think that's what helped him like find like the confidence to like take that leap. But I get what they I get why they did it, and I get how they did it, and how they did it was really effective because for the entirety of the movie, you don't know if he's going to become a master of his skills. But I mean, a conversation through a door with his dad. Shouldn't be the thing that allows him to learn how to properly swing on a web, you know, but that that's just me being too picky about an unrealistic superhero movie. But I just I don't I don't know. It's I'm glad they I'm glad they took us through the roller coaster of him not being good enough because um, that's something that I, I fight with every single day. So I was feeling it. So at that point, I was like, hell, yeah, dude, get in there. Fuck up that collider. Get him. Get him. Well, I. I just love the fucking what's up danger scene like when he is like actually having like the whole movie like you're seeing him kind of like freak out like and you know struggling and stuff and then like in contrast to this he's like finally having fun and like able to like let go and just like be spider-man um and it's I I, like tear up like every time um and it's funny too because like when he first meets like the OG Spider-Man before he dies and when Spider-Man's like, you have to like destroy the collider. Um, there's like, I don't know what instrument it is, but like, there's like some kind of like 
horns playing underneath him that are kind of like Miles' theme, I guess, or like the Spider-Man theme. Um, and that plays all throughout the sequence, too, of like he has finally become Spider-Man. So it's just, I don't know, it, it was just a nice callback, all very well, um, very cohesive. I don't know. So another part of that is that um, every single Spider-Man ever, even Peter Porker, even John Mulaney, have some kind of traumatic event that happens in their lives that helps them become the Spider-Man that they need to become. This one, Miles Morales' trauma is, in this movie, fantastic. I didn't see it coming. I purposely didn't look up the cast list, so I didn't see who was who and what was what. I didn't see his uncle, which is a who is like a, Miles looks up to Aaron Davis, kind of like you would like a cool fatherly, uncle-y, best friend type guy. I didn't see him becoming Prowler, and I also didn't see them killing him off. Kingpin shoots him in the stomach or whatever, and he dies, and that's what kind of sets Miles off. That's what makes him want to get back at Kingpin, and he has that moment of like. Um, with great power comes great responsibility. And that was just a plot twist that I didn't see coming. And I thought that was handled perfectly and very effective in what it was attempting to uh, achieve. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting too, that like how they kind of um, not foreshadow, but like, I, I guess I kind of see like Miles's dad, and like Peter B, like they, those aren't like the teachers and the father figure that he wants, you know, like he would rather be learning from the actual Peter Parker or would actually rather have um, his uncle Aaron as kind of like his like father figure caretaker. Like he's much closer with him, but like, you know, he, he gets the other two and kind of like not coming to terms with that or anything. Like I, I think he cares, he grows to care more about both of them, but it's just those relationships are just kind of like, strained they are in um the chemistry is not there right off the bat like they kind of struggle to understand each other so um and can we talk about kingpin because his intro is wild he takes up the whole screen he's enormous um they give him like a tick so like um he's just always clicking this pen and it's so like his his hand is enormous like compared to this little pen that he's just clicking um and but it it like does such a great job of like building this like uneasy feeling and like you know tension and um he goes through like a a flashback scene of him losing his family and the whole time like the pen is just clicking for like each part of like what goes down and it i don't know it like sends shivers up your spine dude it's like but like you also feel for him you know like with each click it just like builds yeah, and they do this fantastic thing. I'm sure there's a film term for it where as the pace of the film starts speeding up in this scene that she's talking yeah. about, the pen clicks get faster and faster. And it just it, that naturally like raises a, a human being's heart rate. I don't know why the fuck it does yeah. that, but it's crazy. Um, Kingpin taking up the whole screen, Kingpin having a tick, Kingpin being giant. Those are all uh, throwbacks to the comic book. Uh are they? I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, in the in the Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man, every time you see Kingpin, he takes up a majority of the frame. Um, the tick is just a character trait of his. Um, 
I'm not necessarily sure if Kingpin is a character in the Marvel films, um, but I would assume he's not as giant as he would be in this film because that's physically impossible. But I was I thought it was fantastic that they gave him no neck. He mm-hmm. was just all body, skinny legs, and no neck. That's another throwback to the comic book. So they did a really good job of respecting the people that uh, did it, grow up reading the comic book. So again, that's that was one thing that kept me coming back through the movie. Um, another thing I love was their use of color. Like they really weren't afraid to like go kind of crazy with it. And I started to like kind of notice um, that whenever Miles was put in a scene where he was like uncertain or uncomfortable, usually the background or the characters were either like purple or green or orange. Um, like as opposed to like the primary colors, red, blue, yellow. So that was an interesting choice. Like for instance, um, there's a chase scene that goes on between Miles and Prowler before Miles knows that it's his uncle. And they're in these like subway tunnels and the whole time is just purple. And like even Prowler himself is purple. And like earlier on, um, his uncle Aaron had taken him like through those tunnels to like do like some like graffiti art. And he like, kn- you know, he knows these tunnels inside and out. Miles is pretty unfamiliar with them. So like to show how they reflect that in the color too, to like, I don't know. It was just a really good use of that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that casual viewers to animation wouldn't pick up. And that's one of those things uh, that you don't consciously yeah. pick up, but your eyes and your brain realize right, it without yeah. you knowing. Um, so it's just one of those subtle things that the, the film does. Um, that being said, the film was kind of heralded as being this kind of like diverse type film. You know, there's a young African-American lead. There's Well, he's mixed too. Dr. Octopus. Yeah, he is mixed. And and Dr. Octopus, a villain, a, a famous villain who was 90% of the time a, a male mm, I is love a female her reveal. It was in great. This, in this, and like how universe. everything was just foreshadowed and set up so well, you know, because she's one of the very first um, people that you see like in the beginning of the movie, like she's like playing in the background um, during one of his classes and like her name, he's like, once he steps into the frame, he's like blocking the rest of her name. So like you just see like Dr. Olivia O. And, like, anybody else would kind of just, like, you know, maybe not pick up on that. But, I don't know. They... The, the, the One of the bigger selling points, I think, of what this, this film kind of established, and I think a bigger theme that a lot of people and a lot of articles that I saw about it picked up was um, how, the, how the diversity in the film is something that, we have an Asian Spider-Man. We have a pig Spider-Man. We have a black Spider-Man. We have a white Spider-Man. We have a bunch of female Spider-Mans, a strong female lead Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, um, all working together to achieve one goal of saving different universes. Um, that's not something that we necessarily see every day. I try to avoid the news, the world, the real world Earth news, because it's just stories about how we are uh, subconsciously being pulled apart from each other. Um, and I saw a lot of a lot of positive about this movie and how a minority is the lead and all of these things. But I also saw a lot of negatives, just like the Little Mermaid being black, 
um, Spider-Man. A lot of people don't know that there is a Miles Morales version of Spider-Man that is half African-American. They want Peter Parker. People want Peter Parker. So my question to you was, do you think that this film did a good job of treading the line of diversity without being too heavy-handed? Like Black Panther, it was it's so different from superhero movies in general that it was heralded as this kind of like black power, you know, give, give the power to the African-American people or black people or whatever, however you want to say it, I think, and I'll tell you what I think after I get your answer, but do you think it, do you think it was overdone in this one? Do you think that they were doing it on purpose for the publicity or do you think that it was perfectly, perfectly crafted to not really be about that, but also. Um, I thought that I wasn't like, like, how do I say this? I had no issue with it at all. I thought it was very well done. Um, it, it, like same thing even with like the Little Mermaid. It's like I don't really understand why people are so up in arms about it because it's like her skin color. She's a fucking mermaid. Like she shouldn't have. Like she should be full of scales. I I don't know. It it's very. I don't want to say it's unimportant to her character because like representation matters, but it's just like, it does nothing to the story if she's black or white or Latina or, you know, it, I don't know. I I see no issue. My take on it is, (laughs) um, bro, it's a fucking cartoon. It was a cartoon that's not necessarily made for kids, but made for younger people. Um, there were some stories that pulled up when I was when I looked up into the Spider Verse and diversity and yeah. stuff that I I just read the headline and I was I just rolled my eyes. Uh, they don't make they don't make a big deal in this film that that Miles Morales mm-hmm. is it, you know has African American in him. They they don't even no one even says it. You see with your eyes that he's a black black child. What I think people should have more of a should have had more of an issue with was that. Uh, this kid's a, he's a middle schooler. <laughs> I saw it super unrealistic that he was in middle school. You couldn't make him a teenager. I could give two fucks that he's black. I think he is a teenager. He is, but he's I'm in middle sure. school, though. Like, I, I thought that was fine. Like, I think that there's, like, that's missing as far as, like, positive representation. Like, you know, like, a lot, you see a lot of, like, you know, 16, 17, 18. Like, that's kind of like the golden age. And I, I, it was nice to have a younger hero. And um, I don't I, I really also appreciated that there wasn't any romance with him and Gwen. Like, I know they kind of flirted, but, like, there was no kiss or anything. Like, I, I, I'm happy that they went that way. Well, I actually noted as a question. It's my only question in my notes was, was there supposed to be romantic undertones with Gwen and Miles at the end? So there were. Um, I was, I was reading that the writers um, originally did want there to be like a, a more um, that they wanted that to be more of like a plot point that there was like a romantic thing between them, but there was um, like a third, like I, I forget if she was like um, just like a story revisionist, but there was like a third person that came into it and she was just like, I don't think you want to do that. And I, I really am happy that she, <laughs> like it helps change their mind because it doesn't need it and also it would have felt too fast if they're gonna keep building on these characters it can come like 
I even feel this way about like sorry Stranger Things spoilers now but like Mike and Eleven why is there anything there I don't know like they're fucking children they're fucking kids like I feel like it would have been it would have felt um much more I don't know it just ah I'm like they're in, they're in middle that. school. Well, it's just like when they first started, they're like literal infants. And like <laughs> he kisses her. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's totally um, normal for them to like have had like crushes on each other and stuff. But it's like, I don't know if they needed to jump right into like a heavy relationship at this young. But anyway. Also, it does nothing. to It does nothing, at least in, into the Spider-Verse. It does nothing to fuel the plot. Yeah. Uh, if if Gwen Stacy kisses a middle school Miles Miles Morales, what's that do? Is that gonna is that gonna make him more effective at, in the end fight scene? No. It's the it's it's the talk with the dad. It's the uncle passing away. It's Peter Parker's uh, leap of faith speech. Those are all things. It's it, you don't need to be. You don't it always needs to come need, from him. You know, like it, it can't come from. I don't know, like. You don't want to be Spider-Man because you want Gwen Stacy to kiss you. Yeah. You just if you do that, you ruin the entire buildup of the movie. It's not something that needs to be done. It's not something that needs to happen. I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad they didn't have it go that way. But God, in that one scene before she leaves, the the romantic undertones are just like yeah, slapping you. In I the mean, face. I, I think you can tell that he's like interested in her for sure. But I, I just like better that they were able to like form a friendship instead. So, and they're in middle and they're, school. Yeah, they're they're babies. I'm gonna harp on that. Yeah. Um, I also did want to talk very quickly about Nick Cage. So, um, <laughs> um, I have that bulleted. So, <laughs> Nicholas Cage, the Declaration of Independence. So, I think I've t- I've told you this story for sure. But, um, well, first of all, he's great in this movie. Every line he says makes me LOL. Um, the, his delivery is great and (laughs) he's very intense and ominous and brooding and all of that. Um, so back in my, um, my junior year of art school, I actually interned on a movie with him. Um, so they were shooting a movie here in Cleveland and me and like five other students, um, got to work as pre-visualization interns. And we got to go on set one day and like watch them record. And we got to meet Nick Cage. We got a picture with him. And he's very tall and <laughs> very intimidating. But um, it's, it was just like wild to like watch this movie. And it's like, whoa, I met him. But um, and, and also, <laughs> so on that day, um, the school's photographer had come with us. And he was, like, taking pictures of, like, the set and, like, the scene that they were shooting. And I don't know much about cameras, but I don't know if all cameras are this loud, but his clicking was so loud, so distracting. He had been told numerous times to, like, stop taking pictures, and he just didn't. And so, like, me and, like, all the other students that I went with, like, we were, like, kind of, like, standing in a line just, like, watching them shoot this scene, and the photographer was standing behind us, and he kept taking pictures, and Nick Cage literally storms out of his scene that he's shooting, like, walks out of it to yell at this photographer, and he's like, you know, you need to get the fuck out of here. He walks right up to us because the photographer's behind us, and it felt like Nick Cage was yelling at us, 
when really, you know, it, it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> you need to get the fuck out of here. No, it was like, he was mad. He was like, you need to get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm losing focus, like all that stuff. Say, like, it was bro, bad. You were in fucking Ghost Rider. It's not that serious, <laughs> it, it, dude. <laughs> I just I felt for him in that moment because it felt like he was blaming us, but you know, like clearly we're not the ones taking the pictures. But it was wild, and then the photographer was like immediately escorted off set, and I never saw him again. Listen, life, but rule number one in life: don't fuck with Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck. Don't with Nick fuck Cage. with Nick Cage, dude. Just don't. Um, Nothing but love for Nick. <laughs> Any... I still can't believe how tall he is. He's my mom's favorite actor in anything ever. Like the when she found out I was gonna be working on a movie with him, she like lost all of the shits. So <laughs> shout out Mama K. Yeah, shout out Mama. Any um final thoughts on, on the film that you've got for us? I've got one. Um... New York City. Oh wait. You go. New York City, for real, should focus on their spider problem. Too many times a year, people are getting bit in New York City and and being yeah. radioactive. I think you should stop I worrying. Think it's a pollution problem. Then. <laughs> I think you should stop worrying so much about the subway system. Stop worrying about whatever else is going on in New York City, and devote some tax dollars to the eradication of of radioactive spiders for the safety of your citizens it's just it's just a what do we elect you for if we're out here getting right. bit by spiders come on it's too many four well, four people four people so i come on. i did have a few questions um first of all aunt may and doc ock she doc ock says like you know like only my friends call me live her full name is olivia and Aunt May is like, oh, good, it's Liv, like, when they, like, see each other. So it's like, what happened there? Were y'all past lovers? Are you friends? I don't know. Um, they're, also- <laughs> they're friends. They're friends. Because what it is is, yeah, Olivia Octavio or Octavian or something like that. Octavia? She's actually the – in other worlds, she's the wife of the actual Doc Ock, who is another okay. who is a I man. See. So I believe, I believe in this world – and I'm – I mean, don't quote me on this. I think they went to college together or some shit like that. Okay. Some crazy deep story like that. They are friends. Um, another few things that I noticed that Miles is wearing like a costume, a Spider-Man costume up until he finally decides to like become Spider-Man. Like that's like, that's pretty obvious what it's trying to say, but like a nice touch. Um, in this movie, I know that they do this like a few different ways as far as like how they handle like the webs coming out of their hands and stuff like sometimes it's built into the suit sometimes it's like a thing that they press um do those web things ever run out how do they fill them (laughs) so so i believe that the first peter parker that dies when he's 26 he's the original peter parker Mm -hmm. he's our he 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 would be what is really truly missing is toby Maguire. he's our toby Maguire spider-man where he just does the little rock on hands and it comes out of his wrist. Mm-hmm. So our Peter B. Parker, our our lovely Jake Johnson, he has the canisters. Yeah, those boys run out. How do you fill them? What the fuck are they made out of? Is Aunt May like harvesting spider webs and putting <laughs> like how does that well, work? Do, do remember that 
um, Spider-Man is like Peter Parker is. It, they didn't portray it well in Jake Johnson's version of it, but I, I'm sure if we would have gotten to learn more about the real Peter Parker, we'd have been told that he's like intellectu- intellectual, intellectually significant above everybody else. He's essentially a borderline well, yeah. genius. Um, so he cre- he would have created the okay. web. I, I guess I'm um, just wondering, but, like, are there like unethical spider farms going on? Like, <laughs> you know, like. I think it's synthetic. Okay. <laughs> I think it's synthetic, but we definitely should be shutting down the the spider farms. We definitely sh- um, commercialized spider farming is a problem in Peter B. B- Peter B. Parker's life, and uh, we got to shut that down. Stop eating meat to shut and down the spider farms. Um, and then yeah. so those are synthetic. another thing. Sorry. Um, do the citizens that live in this city have some kind of insurance for superhero damage you know I'll, like the whole time i'm just like watching them destroy like the roofs of houses or like all of aunt may's furniture i'm like are they, is she covered is she good this must happen a lot so a big okay so so a big storyline in the x-men movies mm-hmm. that came out that just wrapped up with sophie turner in them mm-hmm. is the overall theme of those all 19 of them is do we let these super mutant people protect us? Because if we do, we have to pay the mm-hmm. price of it. So, so, and it, this is a thing that you even think about in the first Avengers movie when they're fighting in New York City and they absolutely fucking destroy New York City. They say you costed us two hundred billion dollars, so someone has to pay for it. I don't know if it's covered under Aunt May's house insurance. I hope so. Um, her Peter Parker was significantly young. And so he would have only been Spider-Man for like four or five years, I believe. I think he got bit when he was like a senior in high school. So he had been Mm Spider-Man for a while. But this isn't Aunt May's first rodeo. And you can tell when her house is getting destroyed, she's throwing people out like Jazzy Jeff and Uncle (laughs) Phil. So it's, I mean, she knows, but I'm really hoping it's covered uh, just for her sake, truly. Right. Yeah. Um, So another thing too, I I have more other things. I know we got to wrap it up though. But after Miles becomes Spider-Man, he he is shown in purple backgrounds. So, like, he's not afraid of the purple anymore, which is cool. Also, it's mentioned a few times that, like, Miles has this, like, spark in him um, to, like, try to, like, help, like, I guess, make him feel good. And what finally helps him break free out of the web that Peter B. had spun around him was a spark. So, like, he's, like, able to, like... Like, that's, like, one of his, like, spider powers, I guess. Like, he can, like, turn invisible, and he has these, like, spark powers. So that was kind of cool. Um, and also, in this movie, um, Peter B. Parker. Um, oh, gosh. What is the love interest name? Mary Jane? MJ? Mary Jane. Yes. So they were, like, married, and then they broke up or divorced, I guess. Um but when he goes back to his universe and like is trying to like win her back, she's like surrounded by purple. So again, danger, uncomfort. I thought that was like a really nice subtle touch. But that's all I got really. Fantastic. Well, like I said at the beginning of, of the film, I really I enjoyed it. It didn't make me feel super enthused about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I really I I'd give it an eight, an eight out okay. of ten which is a lot. I, I mean, that's a pretty good rating. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, people, I mean, people like yourself who put it in their, in your Tinder bio, <laughs> give it like a 10 out of 10 at, 
give it like a 10 out of 10 and stuff. But I think that truly that the reason for that is because you can appreciate the subtleties. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm literally just following along the storyline and kind of just picking out the, ob- like the obvious stuff you're picking out the purple and the, you know, the gradient changes and the, the framework and stuff like that. Um, I'm just watching for the storyline. Right. So that's honestly that's fantastic. Going to school for animation has like kind of killed watching anything for actual enjoyment for me. Like I find enjoyment in all of these little details that I talked about today. Like I can't just watch something just for the sake of entertainment anymore. Kind of sucks, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, super kind of exciting news for our next podcast. Um, when this one drops, when this Spider-Man one drops, I will be soaking it up in mm-hmm. hurricane-torn the Bahamas. Um, my girlfriend and I are going on a cruise. I'll be gone. But before we leave, oh, it's 15 cents now. <gasps> We're rich. Let's we are go. balling, dude. Um, <laughs> on our way. You can use that all toward your cruise. Yeah, dude. But before I do get on a plane and fly to Florida and get the fuck out of Michigan for two minutes, uh, you're going to come into town. I will. I'm assuming you're seeing family and stuff like that. But you're also going to make a stop over here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to record our first episode of this podcast face to face. Yes. <laughs> That's exciting. We're going to be talking about anxiety. Which mm-hmm. is my favorite topic because I have it all the time. Me too. <laughs> all the time. I struggle with anxiety really bad. Um, I'm sure we'll have a fantastic conversation about that. Um, I haven't seen you. Yeah, we haven't seen each other in person in like four years, probably a while. Uh, more than that, I think. Two thousand fourteen ish. Got to be. Yeah, I think you're right. Been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fantastic. And then we'll, you know, get to record it together for the first time and probably not the last time, but that's a pretty cool thing to do when I'm here in Detroit, you're in Cleveland. So tune in in two weeks, two weeks for a face-to-face conversation about anxiety with your favorite podcasters, Robert Sherman, Bill (laughs) Camelay. Don't forget to rate this podcast a five. I think we're better than three now. I'll accept a four. We're, I'll yeah, accept we're a four. Our way. Nothing yes. lower than four. No. Making our way downtown. Rating fast. Walking oh. fast. Rate my <laughs> podcast a five star. <laughs> so do that. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, let's do this thing. One thing this week that made you uh, smile. Okay, I actually have two things, but they relate. So last weekend, I went to my Aunt Verna's 85th birthday. Shout out, Aunt Verna. And my favorite thing about that was that she told um, our cousin Julia, she was just like, I'm bored. I want to leave. Like, she wanted to leave her own party. And it's like, you know, when you get to that age, you got to go. You just got to know when to leave your own damn birthday party. So respect, Aunt Verna. I love that, you know, bad bitch, bad bitch, for real. Um, But also at that same party, um, these little cousins of mine went around every table. There was like a bowl of like trail mix. They went around every damn table and picked out the (laughs) M&Ms out of all of the trail mix bowls and put them in a bag and then went on to offer them to everyone at the party as if we didn't just watch them use their grimy little hands to pick out all of these (laughs) M&Ms. 
I'm not eating your dirty M&Ms, kid. Yeah. Get the fuck away from me. And I felt so bad declining, but it's just like, I don't know when the last time you washed your hands was, if ever. Um, I saw you carrying bugs in here like 10 minutes ago. Like, I'm good. Um, but I so appreciate the thought. And I think that we can all take away something from pick out the M&Ms of your trail mix and also leave your birthday party when you're bored. I'll take the bug. The bug has a lot of protein right, in it. Right, yeah. Dude, I would totally eat bugs. I'm down. Fuck yeah, dude. Give me the bugs. Hell yeah. One thing that made me smile this week was uh, our podcast got relaunched. Well, my podcast got relaunched with you. Yeah. So that episode is available uh, right now. Hopefully you, you want to go back. To it. Yeah, go back and listen to it before you listen to this one. Um, we're going to be doing a ton of these. Fantastic. Hopefully our our listening listener growth grows because <laughs> i believe in the similarly different theory the, the similarly different theme that changes and, every uh, week yeah it changes every week but it's, it's all the same baby <laughs> it's all the same and i i think it's great i think it's fantastic i think we're only going to get better yeah and uh anchor.fm slash start i don't know um <laughs> but yes our podcast starting uh episode six not a math podcast made yes. me smile and the uh, positive, the positive uh, feedback we're getting from the people that have listened to it makes me quite positive about this thing moving forward. So um, until next week, I'm Robert Sherman. This is Dylan Camillay. Rate us five. I, I sang a song for you, so fucking do it. Um, and we'll be back next week with uh, talking about anxiety. Yes. That doesn't make me anxious or anything. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally at ease thinking about Fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. We'll see you next week.